Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Well, hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And it's always good to be with you, especially when it's a nice summer day. Not too hot outside. It's always beautiful. Um, hey, before we get into the message, I just want to share something, a, a word of encouragement for us. As, as the world is crazy right now. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and I, I sense that there are so many, if you're like me, just with a heavy heart right now of what's happening in the world. Maybe it's on a personal level. Maybe you're looking nationally at what's happening nationally. Maybe you're looking, looking globally and there's just like so much wrong and broken in the world. Your heart is heavy. So I want to just offer you an encouragement um, that was given to me by Pastor Jason from the EV Free Church. He posted on Facebook this week and I just... I want to share what he said and just kind of repeat it to you because it was really encouraging for me. Uh, he, he shared this verse, Hebrews 2, 1. <clears throat> he said, therefore, uh, this is the Bible, therefore, tuck that therefore in your pocket, we're going to need it later. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. That, that we much, must pay much closer attention to what we've heard uh, the chapter before that is talking about how, uh, how God loves us, how he has compassion for us. Everything that Jesus did for us is what that's talking about. And it's saying to, um, to remember that, to pay closer attention to it. And, and Jason said this about that verse, Your therefore is the thing that causes you to either lean in or lean out. Your therefore is the thing that causes you to lean in or lean out. You have a choice. What is your therefore? What is your therefore? And I think that can be a whole host of things. Um, it can be the things that are just personal in our lives that are really causing our hearts to turn and to be in turmoil. It can be the things nationally and, and globally that are going on. Wars, assassinations, diseases, politics, whatever it may be. And I think we have this choice to lean away from God and just say, I'm done with it, or we can lean towards God. I think Dr. Seuss was said uh, in the Lorax, one of my favorite books and movies, uh, he says, a tree falls in the way in which it leans, right? And that goes for us people. If we're leaning away from God, if we're leaning this way towards the world, if we're leaning towards social media and the news cycle and whatever else is happening, we're going to fall that way and it's going to be a disaster. And if we lean towards God and his redemption for us, his kingdom breaking into our lives, his peace, his forgiveness, if we're leaning towards him, we're going to fall that way and it's going to be a beautiful fall. And there's nothing better that we could do than to fall into him. And so I think there's just simple ways that we can do that. Just, there's thousands of ways we can lean into God. Let me just give you a couple. Uh, read the Bible. Start with Psalms. Read some Psalms. Uh, read the book of John. Uh, another one you could do is go, go on a walk in nature and just pray as you're walking. You can even ask God some really tough questions, hard. Maybe even there's anger in your soul and you want to ask God about what's happening in the world. That's a way to lean into God. We see that in Scripture 
that we can ask big questions of our big God. That's a way to lean into him. Um, hanging out with other Christians, leaning into Christian community, asking those big questions, sharing your heart with other Christians is one way that we can lean into God. There's so many. So I just want to invite you, lean into God. Don't lean into the world. Don't lean into more news cycle. You can be in, in the news. You can, you can know what's happening. But don't spend all your time on social media. Don't spend all your time watching news. Spend time with God. Lean towards him. So I just want to pastor you in that. I think pastoring is just coming alongside people, pointing them in the, dir- the direction that we should go, and we walk there together. So that's a word for you. It's a word for me. So let's, let's lean towards God. Let's pray for our world right now. Will you pray with me? And as I pray, you can agree with these things and you can come up with your own prayers in your own heart, but let's just pray together. Holy God, Holy Father, we recognize your perfectness and your holiness and we just ask that the world would see that too. We see that what you have planned for us is beautiful for our souls. That, we're, that as your creation, we're meant to be with you. And so we thank you for your holiness. God, we pray that your kingdom would come here and now, that the thin veil that divides heaven and earth would be divided and your kingdom would rush in and set things right, that your will would happen here on earth as it happens in heaven. And God, we thank you thus far for providing for us, for being a provider. And we pray that you continue to provide for us, our physical needs as well as our spiritual needs. God, we thank you that you provide. God, we say sorry, forgive us for the ways that we've leaned away from you, turned our backs on you and chased other things. We receive and accept your forgiveness. And God, help us to lean towards you. God, keep us from evil. For whatever the devil has planned for us, pray that you would protect us from that. That evil would stay far from us as we follow you. Jesus, we love you. And we pray for your second coming now. We pray that you would come and set the world completely and fully right. We thank you that you're going to do that. And we pray that uh, that would come soon. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Well, thanks for hearing the first sermon. Now we're going to move into the second sermon. And um, we are currently in a series called Maps for the Journey, where we are looking at wisdom from the Bible for our lives. And this wisdom helps us navigate where we are in life, where we're going in life. We, there's some simple situations Uh, where this wisdom can really impact us. And there's these complicated situations that we get into where wisdom can help us navigate this trail of life. If I could summarize the last two weeks in a story, if you'll bear with me here. Uh, Last week, last Saturday, uh, we went to a family reunion for 4th of July. And uh, my cousins were there, grandpa, you know, everybody, everybody was there. It was a big, big thing. And, um, we brought watermelon and cantaloupe. And I cut the watermelon, you know, I got there, I brought a nice big watermelon, I cut it up, and it, would look, it was so delicious. 
And then, as I was about to cut the cantaloupe, I, uh, I, I just set it down. I got the knife out, and then my uncle started talking to me. And so I went away from my cantaloupe, and I started talking. And then I just totally forgot about the cantaloupe until, at the end, we were gathering our things. And I noticed the cantaloupe was sitting there, the watermelon, the tray was almost empty. And, of course, what fruit did people most enjoy at our little family picnic? You guys want to take a guess? watermelon because it was cut up it was prepared for them right and the cantaloupe just sat there no one opened it no one touched it there was so much good fruit in there but no one me did the work to enjoy it and so over the last two weeks we've learned how there's so much good wisdom in here but we've got to do some work to open it and to receive the good fruit the good wisdom that's in here and so proverbs tells us that we've got to, A, know what the wisdom is, then understand it, then apply it to our lives, and then we get to share it with others as well. And so that's kind of what we've talked about over the last two weeks. And so today, we're going to open this cantaloupe, I mean, uh, the Bible, and we're going to look at how to have divine wisdom in our speech, in our words. Did you know that Um, one in five Proverbs, when you're reading the book of Proverbs, one in five Proverbs has to do, it relates to either good or bad speech and how we have good or bad speech. And that tells us something, that speech and how we say things is really important to God. I wonder if you remember like old adages from your grandparents or your parents or teachers Old adages that talk about like how you speak and how to speak well as a child, right? And as a human, really. I remember one <clears throat> was think before you speak. Uh, the think was an acronym. Have you guys heard this? The T is, is it true? H is, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Right? Have you guys, anybody seen that one before? That's one I remember from a kid, <clears throat> as a kid. My mom's favorite was from the philosopher Thumper the Rabbit from Bambi. I'm going to grab my water because... So Thumper, uh, you guys remember Thumper from Bambi? What, What would he say? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say nothing at all, right? That's what he said, or his dad said actually in the movie. Um, That was my mom's favorite. I mean, she quoted that probably at me every day because sometimes I didn't have nice things to say. Growing up, my family had a no-swearing policy. Very strict, very strict no-swearing policy. I remember when I was 16, I had some friends over, and we were playing PlayStation 1, NBA Jam, great game. Charles Barkley was the star of this game. And uh, me and my friend were playing. I made a shot with like two seconds left. And I was like, all right, sweet, the game's mine. I was up by two. My friend, who was on the Houston, he was the Houston Rockets. His name was Adam. He inbounded the ball. There's two seconds left. Inbounded the ball. Charles Barkley from half court. Charles Barkley doesn't shoot three-pointers, so he can't shoot from half court. I was feeling pretty good. And Charles Barkley sinks the half-court shot for the buzzer beater winner. 
And I was like, no. And then I yelled for the whole house to hear a swear. And my mom heard, you guys want to know what the swear is? I, I can't say it because she listens to the podcast sometimes, so I'll just spell it. The swear, C-R-A-P. <gasps> yeah, that was a swear in my house. And my mom sent me to my room for a half hour while my friends were downstairs awkwardly sitting in the living room for saying a minor, minor, minor swear. God's wisdom for our speech, though, it goes much deeper than just swearing, or in my case, swearing. Uh, for you podcast, that was, uh, I did air quotes. Um, when, when he gives us wisdom on how we use our words, it always involves our interactions with other people. Divine wisdom knows that for good or for bad, words have an effect on those around us. And so in Proverbs, just Proverbs alone, we learn all sorts of wisdom for our speech. There's wisdom for being honest and fair with our words in our business dealings. There's wisdom for being truthful when giving legal testimony in a court of law. There's wisdom for politicians to govern. Listen to this. There's wisdom for politicians to govern with a moral core of truthfulness. Wouldn't that be nice if our politicians had a moral core of truthfulness in their speech? But where Proverbs and the rest of the Bible impart the majority of speech wisdom is in our everyday relationships with our neighbors, uh, with our spouse, with our kids, with our extended families, with the strangers that we interact with at schnooks or at a restaurant or uh, anywhere we are in life. This is what this is the majority of the wisdom that we get. So let me share some of these with you. And I'm not going to go into them deep and pick them apart. If, you, uh, if your heart kind of jumps at one of these or wonders at one of these, write it down. Spend some time with it this week. Uh, here's Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and I'll help you. And it goes on. Don't plot harm against your neighbor. For those who live near you, trust you. Don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. Here's 2426. An honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. 2518. Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. Ouch. 25.20, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar on a wound. 25.12, last one. To, one who listens, valid to the one who listens to valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. You notice that all of these verses are teaching you how to have wise speech. Yes, but they also kind of all start in the heart. It's not just they don't start at the mouth. These are all heart issues. What comes out of our mouths begins in our hearts. 
And that's why one of the foundational phrases of the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. That starts in our hearts. It's mentioned 14 times, the 14, 14, uh, 14 times in the Bible that we have the fear of the Lord in us. Uh, Proverbs, one of these times is Proverbs 9, 10, and it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To clarify what the fear of the Lord isn't, it's not us being afraid of him and cowering and running away from his presence because we're scared. Instead, the Hebrew word for fear here is understood more properly as having a reverence or an awe, knowing that he and what comes from him is something to be treasured and sought after. Has anyone ever been to New Orleans before? Raise a hand. New Orleans? Few, few, oh, yeah, a lot of you. Great. Um, so New Orleans, in the French Quarter, there's this church called the St. Louis Cathedral. I've got a picture of it here for you. That's the St. Louis Cathedral. Just this pristine, beautiful Catholic church in, in the middle of this square. What the pictures won't show you, though, is the atmosphere that's directly in front of the church. Just like there's the church steps and then right in front of the church steps, there's, you know, like the bucket drummers and the dancers and the street performers. Um, there's tarot card readers. Um, there's people selling art out there. And it's kind of this whole atmosphere of a little bit of a party, right? It's New Orleans. Um, and so you got this atmosphere of kind of this chaos and party. And when you step into the church which is just steps away, and it almost, it just invites you in, like you're pulled towards it. You step into the church, and there's a sense of this is different. This is a sanctuary. Uh, you have this feeling of awe and amazement, and you want to stay there. You want to stay in the presence of this cathedral. I've been in there and I've seen a street performer like in there, you know, just like taking a break from whatever they're doing and just resting. And I don't know if they were worshiping or enjoying, I, I kind of doubt it, um, but they were still in the presence enjoying the sanctuary of this uh, chapel, of this um, cathedral. So it's understood throughout Proverbs that as we're seeking after God, through these actions of wise speech and other wisdom, um, it's the result of you and I living out the fear of the Lord, desiring heart change, wanting lives that live in his presence with his divine and uh, uh, just awe-inspiring instruction for us. So wise speech begins in the heart. Jesus tells us a little bit more about this in Luke, Luke 6.45. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. I'm kind of going to be all over the place today, so I've got them on the screen, and then you can also turn there in your Bible as well. This is Luke 6.45. A good person, this is Jesus talking, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So Jesus and the writer of Proverbs, they understand that 
uh, just to change our speech for the sake of behavior modification, for the sake of image management, uh, for the sake of so my mom doesn't think that I say C-R-A-P outside, you know, the house. That's not what Jesus is after. That's not what Proverbs is after. That's not what God is after for your heart. If that's all we're doing is um, image management, we're missing what God really wants to do with his wisdom in our hearts, and that's to completely transform us from the inside out. When Proverbs gives wisdom about speech, it puts speech into two categories, destruction or life. Destruction or life. What we say either destroys or it brings life to people. Here are just a couple of Proverbs that I noticed in just chapters 12 and 13 that demonstrate this. Uh, Proverbs 12, 18, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly save lives. That was 12, 6. 13, 2, Wise words will win you a good meal. But treacherous people have an appetite for violence. The last one, 13, 14. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. You can see the life and the death in each one of these sayings. The majority of what we say falls into one of these two categories. And sure, there are words that are neutral. And there are words that aren't as damaging, but they're a little bit damaging. Like sarcasm can fall into that category pretty easily. Um, there's words that just stick with us forever that are so damaging. I remember uh, high school, ninth grade, health class, Bryce turned around and said to me, you are so ugly. And that has stuck with me my entire life. Isn't that crazy? Like something that simple can be so destructive for someone's life. And then on the other side, there's words of positivity. And then there's words like extreme encouragement. I remember my dad sitting me down one time and saying, Dan, you can read people incredibly well and you have this gift to meet people's needs with that. You can see what they need emotionally and meet them there. And that stuck with me for the rest of my life and done great things for me. So we have the ability to bring life or death with our words. We're going to take a look at each one of those categories. First, we're going to take a look at what it looks like to have destructive words. Proverbs 6.16 tells us a few specific things that God hates. Uh, This is verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now that's not an exhaustive list. That's a list as as, uh, the writer of Proverbs is talking about the things that he wants to talk about right there. But these are seven things that God hates. And did you notice, did you catch that three of the seven have to do with our speech? They were lying, being a false witness, which is lying, but being a false witness is another category of lying where like, 
is a, implied in a court of law where you are affecting someone's life. Like they're going to go to prison for their life. They're going to be put to death because of the lie that you told. So there's greater consequence there. Uh, so lying, being a false witness, and a person who stirs up conflict in a community. The reason these things are hated by God is because these things destroy not just us as individuals or an individual that we're telling a lie about, but it destroys communities as a whole. Every one of these takes what God wants to build in people and in communities and in families and in churches, and it just drives a wedge in it. It destroys it. We've all been on the receiving end of divisive words, of hurtful words. We can all think back to those times. And that really rips us apart, and it can rip a whole community apart. Evil loves driving wedges in between people, destroying relationships. But divine wisdom loves bringing people together in right just and whole relationships that cause blessing to one another. The book of James in the New Testament, it understands uh, the destructive tendency of speech. And this letter is inspired by God and written by Jesus' brother. His name was James. And fun fact that I learned this week, I don't know, I've never heard it before, that James's nickname his nickname was Old Camel Knees. Old Camel Knees. How would you like that nickname? I'd be like, oh, okay. Uh, but the reason they called him that is because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer um, that his knees were weathered and leathery and old and kind of gross. And so it was kind of this like little bit of a loving nickname, but also kind of like a, a poking fun at him. And so I just thought that was fun. I wanted to share with you. Um, so Old Camel Knees. And as James was writing this, he was in the middle of a community divide. A couple, actually. There is uh, the nation of Israel and the way that they typically did things. And the church, the new Christian church that Jesus has now founded. And there's kind of that wedge that was happening. And then even inside the church, there were some dissensions and disagreements about what was happening and so he understands the power of destructive words and the devastating impact that they can have. And he's in the middle of this. We read about him in Acts trying to bring these communities together, hearing both sides and coming up with compromises and, um, and solutions to, to their problems. But he writes this to his friends here about wise speech in chapter 3. This is James chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. He's echoing Jesus here from earlier. What controls our hearts is revealed through the tongue. He continues, uh, this is verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing, but it makes grand speeches. 
but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. You think he's writing from experience here? Like, that's some passionate language about destructive speech. I think he's, he's writing from experience. One of the themes of his whole letter, as I said earlier, was just his wanting to bring unity to the church. He sees how gossip and um, divisive language can tear people apart. How a spark of gossip can just turn into a raging fire, destroying an entire community. Let's go on to verse 7 here. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a restless, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this isn't right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Here, James is getting into the two options that we have with our speech. We can cause death or we can give life. We can praise our creator or we can curse those who have been created in his name. We can bless or we can tear down. We can be a spring of life or a bitter spring that's not good for much at all. How we speak, especially to and about each other is of central importance to God. Because with our speech, we have the power to destroy. And we also have the power to bring life. We have the power and are encouraged to imitate God. To imitate God in his likeness with words of truth and encouragement and honesty and blessing that bring life to not only ourselves, but the people around us and our whole communities. Friends, as Christians, as Jesus followers, you are meant to be a life giver, a life giver with your speech. That's what we're called to be. What evil has destroyed in people's lives, you've been called to heal in the name of Jesus. Where evil has left despair, You've been given the power of Christ's encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Where evil has left destruction, you have been given the power to rebuild and redeem. Through the Holy Spirit, your words have the power to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, to bring redemption, to restore, to bring life, and to bless those around you. So let's be people that bring life. Let's throw off destructive speech. Let's not do that anymore. I know that's hard, but that's something that we got to focus on a little bit. But when we throw that off, we don't just like, okay, we throw it off, now we're neutral. 
We throw it off, and then we become life givers in our speech. I've got one call to action for you today. Just one. But it's, it's a big one. It's kind of difficult sometimes to do this one. So here's my call to action. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you in your life who needs a life-giving word. So maybe today, tomorrow, early this week, sit down. Maybe go on a walk in nature. Sit down or have some quiet time and ask, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me who in my sphere needs an encouraging word, needs to hear words of life. And then there's so many ways that you can do this. You can go out to lunch with them. You could give them a phone call, send them a text, write them a note, whatever it may be, and give them an encouraging word. Give them a life-giving word. And then as you go on, like think about that for somebody else. Make that a part of your routine in life to be a person who's got encouraging words for others. One of the ways that I think you can do this is, um, I mean, I explained all those, but just one of those fun ways. When I saw that James was called Old Camel Knees, I was like, wow, that's, that's encouraging. That's an encouraging word to him. So I wonder, could you come up with a nickname for that person that the Spirit reveals to you? Come up with a nickname for them. Like, what would their nickname be? And encourage them in that. Uh, call them old camelies. I see you praying so much. You know, maybe modernize it somehow. Um, or maybe someone is just full of joy often and they're just like sunshine on a rainy day and you come up with a nickname for sunshine guy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm really good at this, huh? Um, so you come up with a nickname for somebody. Just a fun way to do that. So let's be people that throw off destructive words especially in our communities, and we put on this life-giving words, the words of Jesus, and we give those out to people like uh, cantaloupe. We just give it out, cut it up, just hand it out to people, let people taste the sweet fruit of Jesus. Um, Bridget, will you come up and we're going to worship, but let me pray for us here. Jesus, we, we thank you that you are a God that is for us, that is loving, that is kind and compassionate. We want to we take what you've given us and just like give it away. Give away your encouragement, God. So we ask for your encouragement to our souls. Just an overflowing amount that we can just give away encouraging words of life for our community. Keep us from destructive language, like when we're tempted to gossip, when we're tempted to cut someone down in sarcasm, even when it doesn't seem like a big deal. God, cut that out of our lives. Lead us toward yourself. And then put in us words of life to give away. We want that wisdom to just permeate our hearts to be people that give life. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.